Hello there. Interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Obi-Wan Kenobi just wrapped up its first, and maybe only, season this week. On this episode, we're covering our thoughts on episodes 4 to 6, full spoilers ahead. If you want our thoughts on the series' first half, check out Close Up, episode 9. And we're gonna zoom past our medium shot straight to our close up, because we already covered our medium shot last episode. But here's an extra plug to go see episode 9 again. And that brings us to our close up. We're gonna go episode by episode here, talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, beginning with episode 4. Probably the most controversial, or somewhat controversial, personally, as I was saying, I think. It's the most controversial Star Wars episode that's come out in recent years, just out of everything. But personally, I liked it. I know it, it's bad. I know it's bad. It gave a lot of... A lot of Jedi Fallen Order vibes, which I personally liked. I knew it was filler. I've watched shows that were, you know, like, especially in Game of Thrones... Around season six and seven, there were some filler episodes where you want them to go to the certain spot right away. And the reason why it's so controversial is just because of all the stuff online about people complain about why we don't have cameos at this point, why we don't have this and that, blah, blah, blah. And I think the response to it, it was a little much because we're so used to everything being released at once every episode on the season be released at once mm-hmm. but with, with what disney plus is doing they're going back to that week by week release dates which i personally enjoy that's why i think a I lot of these my shows... entertainment that way i don't yeah. like everything dropping all at once because i believe tv is meant to be watched week to week the continuing adventure unfolding everyone's mm-hmm. all on the same page you get to keep up you know something like stranger things Great show, but everyone's always worried about spoilers. You can never talk about it with anybody because everyone's always at different places. Some people still haven't finished the last season. You can't talk to them about it. Everyone's on the same page for Kenobi. I legit had to unfollow the Stranger Things Instagram account because they kept posting pictures of episodes that they weren't spoilers, but they were just images where you're just like, okay, I don't need to see this. But I think what Disney Plus is doing, doing week by week, is a great idea, and personally, because it gets you more hyped for the next week, instead of, because look what happened with, this is not me bashing Netflix, because they still produce good shows, but just kind of like, you can just like run through them, and it doesn't give you enough time to kind of sit with certain moments in episodes. You know what I mean? Where it's like you just run through and not like take in everything that's happening. You're not really marinating on it or thinking about it too critically. You're just consuming. Mm -hmm. It's like you sit down and enjoy a meal. You know, you sit down, appreciate every bite, the taste as it goes across your tongue into your taste buds, down your throat. Okay, that's a good meal. As opposed to just nom, 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 I'm just going to eat the whole thing all at once. You're not really enjoying that. I mean, maybe you like it. But it's not the same as just enjoying it the same. Yeah, and I think a show that could have done, I don't want to say better, but could have done probably just as well was Squid Game for Netflix if that was released week by week. Because there Mm -hmm. were some cliffhangers. And it's not like 
the showrunners know it's going to be week by week or if it's going to be all out at once because they still did some cliffhangers in Squid Game. We're like, holy fuck, well, what happens next? And you're like, oh, wait, you just watch the next one. So, like, there is that, are you kidding me, cliffhanger, with these shows that are released all at once? But then you're like, oh, I can just watch the next one. I will say the cliffhangers need, the cliffhangers are just as important in binge watching as they are in week to week TV because you still need something to keep you coming back for the next episode. That's you true, want people yeah. to be like, I want the next one right away. Only difference is on Netflix, you get the next one right away, but on Disney Plus, they force you to wait a week, which, like I said, I think is better because it builds anticipation for that whole week. Right. You're so desperate to see what's next. The reason where I think. The only time I think where when you release it all at once works better than week by week is when there is filler episodes like episode four with Kenobi or part four, whatever you want to call it, because with Kenobi, it has so much hype going into it. It's got some of the main cast back, back from 2005 and 2003, whenever Attack of Clones came out. And when you do an episode like that, where it's just kind of, I will admit, I did like it. That is just subpar. That is just okay. Some people will be critical, a little overcritical, but. Do you want to get into the criticisms for each episode first and then talk about the stuff we like? Because we're going episode by episode here. Or do you want to, because what you're saying now kind of transitions me into one criticism I didn't write. Yeah, you go, go for a criticism on episode four. Okay, because one criticism about episode four is, Speaking of filler TV, I am not as big a hater on filler TV as a lot of people, because I do think, quote-unquote, filler TV is where some of the best TV comes about, usually. Back on when TV was more episodic instead of serialized, filler TV used to just be where you could get really cool one-off adventures with the characters. And that was, you know, those could be really special. You didn't need to advance the main plot. You didn't need to have super cool character development. It just was potential for really good one-off stories. But, and here's, here's the but. Mm-hmm. On a six-episode miniseries like Kenobi, where it is so heavily serialized, you've only got six episodes to tell the story. There's no room for filler in a show like this. It's, I, I think that's unacceptable, to have filler episodes in a six-episode miniseries. That's just... I, I don't know who approved that, but make the show five episodes, four episodes. Make it however long you need to be, but when you have so few episodes to start, and you're only telling one straight story through, there's no room for mm-hmm. this kind of episode. That's not to say, that's not a bearing on the quality of the episode, which I think is probably the worst one in the series, just for the record. For sure, for sure. But I'm just saying, in general, that's, it shouldn't have happened. Yeah. In a series like this. I've seen some people compare this filler episode to a filler episode in the first season of Mandalorian where Mando goes back to Tatooine and he's hunting for the one of life. the uh oh my gosh she's the assassin oh, in, like... oh yeah you know oh yeah uh Finnick Shen yeah Finnick Shen she uh who's become a fan favorite pretty quickly and I the like reason her. why that's so I like her too the reason why that's so different is because we're just starting to know who Mandalorian is for the beginning of that first season, and it's not a condensed story where 
this could go on for five seasons if mm -hmm. depending on how long they want to do this but with kenobi an we know what happened yeah the mandalorian so it's not like a one story yeah. Was, yeah every episode of the mandalorian was standalone so some episodes mm -hmm. were better than other ones that one particularly was one of the weaker episodes which is why people call it filler in a bad way not like any of the other episodes added that much to the overall plot but that's just how that show was structured Every episode's a new adventure, and some of it, some of them were better than others. But Kenobi was one story all the way through. So, if they called that episode side mission, I would have given it a higher rating. But <laughs> with Kenobi, we know what happens before, we know what happens after, and we need to know what happens in the middle. And it's not that you can't go to the Inquisitor base to save Leia again. It's just how it's executed is the problem. And I'm not, we're not here to say how it could be better. We're just here to say it felt like it could have been more. I think one of the main problems is what you were just saying. They go to save Leia again. Why did we need another installment of them saving Leia? He already did that once. So if you... Let's see, where did episode 3 end? Okay, so they... Let's say she didn't capture Leia at the end of episode 3. Let's just say they got away. And then episode 5 starts with them back on the base at Jabim. If you cut out the bit where Reva captured Leia and they got separated, and then just went straight to Jabim for episode 5, you don't need episode 4 at all. Nothing happened. Yeah. It's not like Reva and Leia had anything meaningful in their interaction either. I mean, yeah, you get to say Leia's resilience, which I really liked. How mm -hmm. she can handle the interrogation. Okay. But it didn't really add anything enough to be worth it, other than a cool location, which is a great reference to Jedi Fallen Order. That's one of the things I liked about this episode. Terrible security. Terrible, oh, terrible. security for being in a inquisitorial base, whatever it's called. But the worst security ever. I'm going to go with another criticism based well, on that. To be honest, the Empire has terrible, terrible security all around. Let's be honest here. In general. They snuck onto the Death Star, for the love of God. <laughs> yeah, just because... Yeah. Now, one it's of the things that station. bothered me specifically about this bad security is that Obi-Wan's going through the base with this super loud communicator on. They're just talking to each other. Oh, yeah. and, it wasn't, and it wasn't so bad when... What was, what was the lady's name? I don't remember her name now. Tala? Tala? Yeah, Tala's talking to him. Whatever, he's going through empty hallways, but he's talking to her very loudly in a room of other Imperial officers. And I'm like, does she have headphones in or something? I, I don't think headphones exist in Star Wars. She's so talking even so louder. Yeah, so she's talking loud. He's talking to her over a speaker in a room full of mm -hmm. officers. How is nobody hearing this? Oh, and then, as soon as I thought that, then we cut back to Obi-Wan, and then stormtroopers hear her coming out of his communicator. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, so they do acknowledge that, but why now? It's just at the plot yeah. convenience. It felt like they had, they knew what they were wanting to do between episode one and three, and then five and six, and they just mm -hmm. needed something to do really quickly. That's what this episode felt like. But just yeah. because of the location, Obi-Wan, even though it happens very quickly, he gets his groove back. You start to see him become more of his Clone Wars self. That was just the best a little part bit. about this episode for me is that you finally get to see him 
he kind of goes over that hump from episode three and he finally starts to show some mm-hmm. confidence in this episode. He's finally, you know, he's still pretty rusty, but he's, he's starting to feel better yeah. at this point. The action, I think the execution of the action took a step up too. Also, there are two things that Star Wars fans in this episode really hate. It's when Tala just straight up slaps the stormtrooper. Oh They're like, God, this is terrible. just lazy phys- physical fighting. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. It's funny, but it's terrible. I know it's terrible, but that's so funny. And another thing which a lot of people hate is Kenobi having Leia under, under like a giant coat. coat. Yeah. That, that's gold. I don't care what anybody says. That's really funny to me because it's silly. At its core, Star Wars is a little silly. And I know it doesn't make sense, but that was hilarious. I think the problem with it was that they weren't playing it for comedy. I think they Mm -hmm. were trying to play both of those moments as 100% serious. Oh, she's seriously escaping this way. Oh, this is a tense moment. He has to get her out under the trench coat. Oh, will they find her? But, like, it's actually funny. But that's not how they're playing it. That's why there's a problem. If they were playing it for comedy, I would accept it a lot more readily. Okay. This is just mm-hmm. how it's going. It's still dumb, but it's it's very different the way they execute it. Yeah. But this is the episode, just one little thing that I liked, where, because through episode one through three, Reva was very over the top. And this mm-hmm. one, she started to settle down, like, a little bit. But even, like, near the end, she starts screaming again. And I don't think it's a fault on the actor, because we'll get into it in episode six. Yes, where yes. I think it was her best performance, but I think it was just the direction that she was given, to, which is what some people had criticized in episode two with Hayden Christensen, how he was very over the top. But I also think that was like yeah. a directing problem because he's done good in other movies. Yeah. But yeah, that's all I really want to talk about. Episode four. That I can't really remember. I've kind of. I'll just breeze it. through a you, couple of points that I have here. Yeah. So I was saying I really liked how Obi-Wan's power level saw a marked increase you know it's it's like we were saying how the last time is clearly a arc of him getting his groove back in episode four is the first big jump i thought towards that point i really liked seeing obi-wan hold his own against the other stormtroopers and everybody around there he's using little not mind tricks but he used the force to make a a sound and distract the stormtroopers he's thinking a little bit more creatively again we see him sneaking around when he was killing the stormtroopers in the dark room that was really cool he's getting his stealth back when he was using the force to bring down the water into the prison you see his power start to increase this is the power level i wanted him at from the very start i was complaining about this on our last episode but this is the kind of level i wanted to see him start he's not great by any means in this episode but he's not incompetent either it's like he's rusty but he's he can still do the stuff you know i just felt like he started a little too weak in episodes one to three but episode four is that was an appropriate level i felt like and he only got better from there i also love that we were in the jedi fallen order prison that was a great location. Maybe it's because we were there that the action, the way it was shot, just felt so much like Jedi Fallen Order to me. Mm-hmm. And the stormtroopers are coming in, and he's deflecting with his lightsaber. It just felt like, am I am I playing the game? Is there a controller in my hand right now? What's what's going on? Yeah. 
Some criticisms for episode four before we move on. I thought the CGI on those snow speeders looked really cheap, just underbaked. That was that was bad. Uh, the communicators, we talked about that. And the fact that Riva can't intimidate a 10-year-old. This is the episode where I officially stopped taking her seriously. I wasn't really taking her seriously before, but after this, everything she did to me was kind of a joke because I thought, okay, she can't even intimidate a 10-year-old, so am I just supposed to feel bad for her? Is that what her plot is? Is she? To be fair, that is Leia. <laughs> She's not going to well, intimidate anyone. I... So I, get, I give her a bit of a break, yeah. but I understand your criticism. So the fan in me says, I'm glad Leia could take that intimidation like a mm-hmm. boss, right? But the person in me just watching this show is like, yeah, it makes me respect Leia more, but it makes me disrespect the series' main villain even more, which I think is a problem in the context of this show. You're as stubborn as your mother. No, I'm not. All right. <laughs> Great line. I, I had to think about that line first. I was like, was she stubborn? And then going through moments, my like, yeah, kind of. Very much so. Let's go on to episode five and six, because we like those ones a lot better. Well, I did. I, I don't know about you. I did. I did. All right, so you, let's do stuff we liked. First thing I want to say, Vader's power level in this oh episode is off the charts. The way he pulled that ship out of the air, amazing. And when he's fighting with Reva, he's just he toying doesn't, with her. He's not even trying. doesn't even pull out his own lightsaber. That's the that most so disrespectful thing ever, and I love it. He's literally like, you, are, you mean nothing to me right now which if you think about i try not to think about this but the age reva has to be is like at least 24 or whatever age the younglings are i don't know what their age range is but like it's 10 years after clone wars she's a kid so she has to be like at least 24 to 25 and she looks like she's 30 however i try not to get too into this because there was a whole theme of top gun where a rooster technically has to be like 35 or 40 <laughs> let's go with it just go with just it. go with it who cares about ages she is, whatever whatever Age works differently in the galaxy. I mean, Obi-Wan looks like he's 80 in 10 more years, right? Oh, he did not age well. <laughs> Poor guy. Neither did Owen and Maru. Maybe those spoilers on t- for later on. Maybe, you know, just going through those caves with a certain someone just aged him. If we get a season two, we will see. Woohoo! But yeah. The disrespect. Amazing. The disrespect to Reva. This is how you make Vader evil. Or just scary again. Keep giving him stuff like this where... It's not that he took down a ship. He took down a ship with one hand. That's how powerful this guy is. That was giving me some real Force Unleashed vibes. Remember that scene in Force Unleashed when Starkiller Mm. pulls down the Star Destroyer? Never seen anything like that in live action. It was crazy, and people complain, well, why didn't he just take down the second ship? His stamina bar was refilling, alright? Everyone calm down. Everyone has a stamina bar. You know, some people noticed something that I didn't even notice at the time. Apparently that second ship, in multiple shots, was hiding behind that first ship the whole time. Yeah. the way it was directed, the audience, like Vader, is just laser-focused on the first ship because... Which is brilliant, yeah. Because that's... He's so stubborn, he needs to win. Mm -hmm. That That poor pilot in that first ship, though. He's like, fuck. He's like, you want me to do what? That's a heroic sacrifice. Speaking yeah. of heroic sacrifices, mm. they killed off Tala. And that power loader droid this episode. That was shocking. 
I did not see that coming. So I'm confused about her backstory. Was she a part of the Empire first and then became a rebel? Yes. I think okay. that was... I guess... She was an actual Imperial officer mm. who started... Well, she didn't join the Empire to be a dictator. She just joined the Empire probably because she was, I don't know, in the army. Maybe it was just a job. I don't know. And then she saw how bad the Empire actually was and started saying, yeah, I, I can't really be a part of this for yeah. long term. So then I think she joined, well, it wasn't the Rebellion back then, but a rebel cell. Yeah. Yeah, that part was confusing. I was shocked that they killed her off. I was just starting to like her. Yeah, just started to, started to like her. I didn't really care for the droid, because he was only really in episode three. But, like, him being killed off, too, was kind of a sad moment. Mm. And... Obi-Wan starts, I see in your list here, he starts to become Clone Wars him, where he's starting to take charge. I don't think we've mentioned in the last episode we did where, uh, we didn't talk about in the uh, last episode we did, but O'Shea Jackson Jr., for what he's given, does pretty good. Honestly, I thought he's a little bit wooden for me. I'd never seen this actor, but mm -hmm. he just, he didn't, I, I don't know what it is about him, it's just, maybe his yeah. delivery, it's just... He's not really given much, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I feel like if they merged Tala and his character, it would have been good. Yeah. Do you know who he is? No, I've never seen him in anything that I know of. He's Ice Cube's son. So he oh, played okay. him in he played him in Straight Out of Compton and he okay, I'm was starting, I see the resemblance now yeah. that you mentioned that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And he was he was brilliant in that movie. So I was excited when I saw him. I was like, Oh, oh Shay Jackson Jr. But so I know his his acting talent. So in this, I was he he was a little, you know, mundane and a little bit wooden, but he was given what he had. To be yeah. honest, I mean, I don't know if he's a good actor or not. I'm just I'm bringing no baggage into him. He just didn't do much for me in this particular role. Maybe it's because of the material. That's fair. I don't know. All right, your turn. <laughs> All right, where are we going? So the. So there's one scene, I think it was in this episode, where he looks at a wall and where he was seeing all the lightsabers on it and on, on the wall are the names of a bunch of Jedi. Mm -hmm. And I was reading an article this morning, apparently there's a crap ton of Jedi from old legends that they just canonized based on this wall. Apparently Perfect. the names of... But a couple ones in canon, too. There was uh, Orno Cordova and Seer Junda from Jedi Fallen Order. Their names were both on that wall. Wow. So they went through here. And Cordova. Her Tons master. Cordova. Her master. Oh, that's right. The one that was making all the maps in the that's first right. place. The, the other one, the only other one I knew for sure from Legends, which I saw on this list, was Rom Koda, who was the Jedi master from Force Unleashed. That's brilliant. So he's canon now. Does that mean Starkiller's canon? I think we said it before, but to make Starkiller canon makes the Inquisitors useless. Because one guy did the job of all the Inquisitors in, in Legends. Unless they kind of work it in a way where they kind of rewrite his character and his power level, because he's ridiculously overpowered in those games. He would just be an Inquisitor in this version. Yeah. So, Grand Inquisitor returned. In this episode. Shocker! I, that was a welcome return. 
Yeah, people yeah. are like, how did he survive? And it's like, well, technically, his species has two stomachs. It's like, well, how do you know that from watching the show? Like, you wouldn't know that. I've never seen that anywhere. I don't know where that came from. They didn't on Wikipedia. On w- I know, but where did it come from? Is it exactly, a comic right? or something? Who knows? I know it wasn't any of the cartoons or the movies. Who knows? It's definitely not from here. So, I really loved seeing Obi-Wan manipulating Reva into doing... Because Obi-Wan's a manipulator. That's, that's <laughs> what he does. Oh, you go after him and uh, I'll distract him. Yeah. <laughs> kind of gets her backstory out of her. So, Oh, yeah, so that's... I'll just... I'll connect these two points here. So, a plus on this episode. Finally getting Reva's backstory. Great. But a negative. We're finally getting Reva's backstory in episode five. (laughs) Why? Now, I was talking to Justin about this, and he had a pretty good point about how much they could have fixed Reva with just one simple change. And it would have been real easy to do. What you should have done is taken this backstory of hers from episode five and plug that into scene one, episode one for Order 66. What that would have done is it would have changed the Order 66 scene from the beginning to from why is this scene relevant at all, just full stop, why is this scene relevant, to why is this scene relevant to her now. If you put Reva's backstory right at the beginning of episode one, it would recontextualize everything. Because we're wondering, okay, is Moses Ingram just making really bad acting choices? That's how we feel watching the first time. But if we see her backstory first, before we see how she is now, well then we're thinking, Okay, but why is she acting this way? Is she acting big and tough just because she's... Is she a double agent? Is she not? We know she was a Jedi, so Mm -hmm. how committed is she to being an Inquisitor? It's just making that one change, putting that backstory to episode one, just recontextualizes everything from the start. And would have just made her story more tolerable. Yeah, the main problem I have with Reva is not the character as a whole, because it, when you think about it and what her character is and what she's been through, it's a brilliant idea to have a youngling become an Inquisitor, but only there to hunt down Vader. It's just mm-hmm. how, is, how it's executed is, is what makes it bad. Is, this is the only thing that I did not like in Kenobi, was just how her story was executed. Because it shouldn't have been her... I don't think she... Well, we can cover this a bit later just yeah because it's not specifically about episode five and i want to touch on it later but i will say i don't think she should have been in this show that's all i'll say for now she should have gotten her own show probably and i will cover she probably is getting her own show well it depends on frustrating in retrospect depends on she's gonna get her uh... i'm willing to place bet she'll be in jedi fall jedi survivor it's set at the exact same time as this kenobi show and everyone was expecting a Cal Kestis cameo in Kenobi because of that. But I would be willing to place bets Reva shows up in that game. Mm, it's possible. I think they just could have executed her better. Now that I think about, I had some time to think about what you said, where we saw her flashback in season, uh, episode one. Episode five instead of episode one. Yeah. And that would have made... From a story, a lot. Yeah. yeah, it would have contextualized a lot. It would have, from a story standpoint, I could see why some of the writers wouldn't want to give that away like right away. But, but also, it's also not a good twist. It's not a great twist because you just assumed that oh, she's one of those kids. 
From episode one, that's what I thought. That's what I thought from the beginning. Do we need to push it all the way till episode five to get the twist everybody knew right away anyway? Knowing mm. that twist up front would have fixed a lot more of your problems than making it a twist in the first place. Maybe if it was shot better where it was more on her being young. Maybe you don't have to, maybe you still keep that scene in episode five, but shoot the one in episode one better where you focus on her as a kid running through the stormtroopers and then maybe you stop hold a shot on her as she sees anakin and you hear his lightsaber and then you cut to episode five and then you see her getting stabbed which is great by the way i don't know why i like seeing anakin stab children <laughs> but it's just time we saw it it was the first time but it's just the way it's shot his performance in that yeah, can you imagine how much better episode one would have been if it the opening scene carried through all the way past the the Jedi Master who was defending the younglings dying, and then they run into Anakin, and Anakin just kills the young Reva, and then we maybe start with her and the yeah. Inquisitors getting on Tatooine. Just it would have made a lot. It just would have made a lot better. Yeah, without changing that much at all. Yeah, it's just the way. Missed opportunity, it's just the way it's executed, where I can see you could take Reva out of the story completely and nothing would really change in Kenobi, except you could argue the final episode, but you could throw in no. a different Inquisitor in there and anything, everything would be okay. Grand Inquisitor, even. Yeah, but then you'd, you'd have to stab him again and then he'd be yeah. really dead. Yeah. She doesn't get stabbed here and survive. No. I see... Yes. You have a criticism there. To be fair, if you get stabbed with a laser sword, it colorizes the wound pretty quickly. Although, well, he's old. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to, what to say. Yeah, I, that's what I thought when I first saw it, and then I saw a clip online was like, yeah, but Qui-Gon Jinn's the only one who got stabbed in Star Wars and has actually died. And I was like, hmm. Yeah. It's a good point. Look, but, a Grand Inquisitor, whatever. He has he has two stomachs. Is it a contrived explanation? Sure, but it's an explanation. There's no explanation. There's yeah. no excuse for this. It's just she needed to be at the end. Yeah. The fact that they don't tell us makes it worse. Where with other with the Grand Inquisitor, you can assume stuff and say if a Jedi got hurt and got stabbed, you could say like Kenobi being in the back to tank. That was for Burns, and he healed a little too quickly, maybe, but yeah. fine, it was Burns. It was well, with Reva, we need to know, like, did she go to a doctor? Did she use a Force heal? Because she learned from the Jedi. It's just, some of these questions do need to be answered, but, because it is like a major, and she's walking around with a limp, so she's not fully yeah. healed. So and she's also, still hurt. Her, why would Vader leave her alive in the first place? Because she doesn't, he doesn't care. I mean, doesn't okay, yeah, see, that's, that's one of those things where I thought, okay, well, why would he leave her alive? But also, it's even more disrespectful that he doesn't care enough to kill her. Brilliant. Because he's, she's not that big a threat, so even her, him leaving her alive just says, yeah, you can come at me again if you mm -hmm. want, but you saw how it went this time. I don't care. Yeah. Which is pretty... Say your next criticism. I love this. I'm looking right at it. Fail Organa's ridiculously <laughs> specific message. Ridiculous. I never, I never thought about that, but, like, yeah. I didn't think about that till she picked up the communicator. It was like, if you yes, can't... the sons are hiding on Tatooine. And... <laughs> with a guy named Owen. Okay. 
Okay. A guy named Is Owen, it? and he's the only moisture farmer around Moa Sisley. <laughs> we should should make a parody where it's like, I'll go protect this boy who is the son of Darth Vader and Patrick Amidala. <laughs> oh, is it, what? And that's his maybe like, Leia and his Leia's brother. <laughs> like it just. I know. That's basically what it is. It's just a massive spoiler. Why would oh, you bail? Yeah, why would he say so much? I just, I don't understand. He's spoiling everything. It's just a, it's just a, hey, how's everything going? I'll tell you why. You find Leia yet? Because of the plot. The plot needed to get going and they need something dumb. I know. I know why they did it, but also why? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Because don't make Jimmy Smiths look stupid. I know. That's not nice. I saw some people point out, you're a politician. You should be used to lying and saying things in roundabout ways. He should have been like, I'll go find the girl on Mustafar. (laughs) Even though they probably don't know what that planet is. Yeah. There's a lot of planets. So another criticism I have from episode five, why do all the stormtroopers blast the doors with such intensity? They have all these giant cannons and they're blasting the door like crazy. And then when Reva gets pissed off at Obi-Wan, she's just... <laughs> okay, that's all you needed to do? Well, so why... to be fair, when you got henchmen, you know, they're on the payroll, you know? Maybe they have uh, incentives where it's like they have to fire this much. <laughs> or else yeah. they won't. They all have jobs, you know? It's one of those things where... It's one of those things where the Empire gives each unit a particular budget, and if you don't use it, you lose it. So, oh, this mm. unit doesn't exactly, uh, yeah. doesn't use all their equipment, so we won't give them as much in the budget next year. Exactly, yeah. That's why there's only, like, two purge troopers with her. It's like, well, mm-hmm. you don't use, like, four of them, so. Now, let's <laughs> talk budget, about... budget cuts in the Empire. Yeah, and I just love how Vader, after all those people are going, Vader just walks through, ripping doors off, clearing things. Oh, open. my God. Just, just Vader walking. is... That's the best thing about this show, where... Where they don't care at all about Riva, they care so much about Vader and his mm-hmm. betrayal and how he is the most threatening thing in the galaxy. And that's what I love about this show. This is one of James Earl Jones' best performances as Vader, I think. Oh my god, he's 92. And he's killing it. I know, it's amazing. Just the rage he can communicate. Oh my god. It sounds a lot younger. I didn't mention this on my list of stuff I liked yet, because I just I didn't get there before we did it, but I want to talk about the flashback scenes. Mm. Oh, yes. Best part of episode five for me, besides Vader at the end. Finally very got flashbacks. Good. Everyone wanted those from the very beginning, and, you know, I can see why a lot of people say, too little, too late. You have a whole series, and you only do flashbacks for one episode, which they were relevant for that one Mm -hmm. episode but so it's kind of a double-edged sword because as much as i loved it i also think well why didn't you use hayden christensen more while you had him yeah you could have done i didn't need to see flashbacks in every episode but i feel like it was a wasted opportunity to bring him back and just bring his give him a prominent role on camera with his face for just one episode Mm -hmm. but it's a great scene great scene what i liked about Completely lost my train of thought. But what I liked about the flashback is it's not Obi-Wan having the flashback, it's Vader. Yes, that was surprising. Which was, 
That which is surprising. And then I think maybe it's like hinted at Obi-Wan's having the same flashback, but it's probably still just Vader. Yeah. And it would have been cool to see them have, because that's Attack of the Clones flashback. It would have been cool to see him have like a Revenge of the Sith flashback, Mm -hmm. maybe in episode six, but there was so much that was happening in episode six that didn't really matter. And I did see some criticism where. Yeah, I was going to acknowledge this too. They didn't de age his face. Mm-hmm. Where, which was definitely a creative choice, where Star yeah, Wars, that's say. all they've been doing. And to me, it wasn't, it's damned if you do and damned if you don't. If you do, people are going to notice it and be like, oh, they de-aged him. He looks a little funny. But if you don't, people are like, why didn't they just de-age him? Because he looks, because he's just been attacked by life and now he has wrinkles. Where Obi-Wan hasn't aged a day, apparently. He looks fine. If you just put the right mullet on him. But to me, I was just like, yeah, sure, whatever. I was willing to go with it just from a fan perspective, but I also thought it's a creative choice because Vader's the one thinking about it. I kind mm-hmm. of imagine it as this fight had a real parallel to the fight they were having in that episode with the with the kind of back and forth Vader's going full aggression, but Obi-Wan's slipping out even though he's... So to me him remembering that fight, he's kind of putting the version of himself and Obi-Wan now into how he remembers that fight going. This is what he would look like. So he's kind of remembering... I think he's kind of trying to transplant himself and Obi-Wan now onto that old fight. Yeah. In a way. Which is maybe a stretch. I don't know. But that, to me, is a reason why they look the same age they do now, just in the old costumes. Mm Mm-hmm. Vader's trying to remember his mistakes, but he still falls right into them. It's definitely a creative choice, and probably they just didn't have... It was either a creative choice, or they just didn't have time to do the de-aging, and maybe Deborah Chow was like, this looks like shit. And it might have been the team who was working on the de-aging was so busy with Mandalorian Season 2 that they didn't... They couldn't get the same guy to work, or the same team to work on Kenobi. Yes, yes. So that could have been it. Well, we just haven't heard anything, but I assume it's just creative choice. It didn't bother me that much, you know? That's fine. And it's if you fine. want him to look as young as he did in Attack of the Clones, go watch Attack of the Clones, which is the worst Star Wars movie. I will say it again, but it's not yeah, Hayden's it's fault. Well, it's the worst of the original six, I think. I'll watch Attack of the Clones over the sequels any day. I don't know if they're better movies, but I don't know, man. you know what? There's terrible dialogue in Attack of the Clones. But you know what? It's still more relevant to the story than in 7, 8, or 9, so I'm. I know maybe it's worse, but I'm more willing to watch it. Just the one line though from Attack of the Clones that everyone jokes about, where he says he doesn't like sand. I, that's not a bad line. It's fine. He doesn't like sand. There's so much worse lines that he says. Yeah, and I'm willing to defend Attack of the Clones. We're gonna do it in defense of the prequels and the sequels on two different episodes, probably at a different point. I I have thoughts. So what was I gonna? Yeah, I just I really like those the flashbacks. They were really well used to show how Vader's thinking about the fight now, even though he falls into the same traps. Uh, do you want to move on to episode six now? I think we covered episode well. five pretty thoroughly. Might as well. Episode six, first things I think of. I cried. He did the thing, and he said hello there. He did both things. <laughs> I cried. And I, I didn't cry at the fight. I didn't cry at Ewan McGregor's fabulous performance when he was saying that he was sorry to Anakin. Sorry, Anakin. I literally just cried when him and Leia were just talking at the end. I don't I know why. I thought that's what got you. 
I thought that was the part that I was just been really invested in their relationship this whole time. It's just the way they were acting. The little Leia performer, she's so good, and just their character. I think, I think it was us to say her name. Her name is Vivian Liar Blair. How old is she? Because she's a better actor than some actors I had in college. (laughs) She is ten years old, so it's perfect. She's an author. That's not right. No, she isn't. Carrie Fisher's an author. Why is it? Why should say she's an author? I can't be right. Anyway, but yeah, I thought just that scene. I don't know why. I even looked back and rewatched that scene. I was like, why did I cry during this? Maybe it was when she got the holster, and that just reminded me so much of Padme. Maybe it was when I really don't know when he was talking about her mom and her dad. Mm-hmm. I just thought that character moment was done so well. I then I cried like a second time near the end when I think it was when you know who shows up. We said it's full spoilers. We'll just go into full it. Full spoilers. He made it! Qui-Gon's here! He did his cameo. Liam Neeson got his paycheck. Or maybe not. Who knows? He loves doing cameos in Star Wars. Did I call this on the last episode, or was it just with everybody else I talked to in real life, where I said, Qui-Gon Jinn is going to show up for the last two seconds at the end of this show to to tease season two? Yeah, every moment where Obi-Wan had a moment to himself in this episode, I was like, this is where Qui-Gon's going to show up. It was when he was on the ship, and he was talking to him, didn't show up. It was when he was under the rocks, I thought you would hear his voice, and I was like, what the fuck? And then this, at the end of this episode, there was like five different endings. Like it was Return of the King, where it was like, I, I thought, you thought it could thing. end here, thought it could end here. And then you see his ghost slowly form in. I was like, oh my God, it's Qui-Gon And <laughs> there are critiques, you know, lore experts who are like, how can he be a force ghost if he'd only learned to be the voice? But here's the thing. Anakin didn't learn it. He's a force ghost in the end. He's the chosen one. He's just great at everything, I guess. Luke didn't answer it. Or go through the training. Maybe Qui-Gon, he's been dead for 10 years. Maybe he finished his training. Who knows? Doesn't matter. You get to see Liam. You get to see Liam Neeson. He looks great as a force ghost. He's like, I was always here. You just weren't ready. What a shot to Obi-Wan. What a shot at him. I'm very curious. Look, I don't think that the... Maybe I have little faith in the production team. Sorry, there's construction going on in my neighborhood. I don't know why. Maybe I have little faith in the production team to actually pay off that line, but I'm curious Mm. if people who want to go back through this show and analyze every single frame, if there actually were hints that Qui-Gon was around. I don't think so. I doubt it too, because I don't have faith in the team to pay off like that. No. And that would require Liam Neeson to be like on set, like for a lot of the shots or... Because I... I'm not even saying like he was there specifically. Mm-hmm. It could have been a green screen thing. It could have even just been yeah. I don't know things things moving in the background, coincidental things, just something a force ghost could have done. I don't think so. Yeah, it's not like he like did a Yoda and set a tree on fire. Yeah, <laughs> which doesn't make sense. But who cares? Even like a halo in the background yeah. or something like it's just his figure or something. Maybe it was his beard. It's just his beard, floating beard. But yeah. And another thing that people complained about in episode one was where's Baru? And then she shows up here. I was same actress, same actress in Revenge of the Sith and Attack of Clones, which is great. And she's a badass. 
She's way cooler than Owen. She took down Revo with a slap. She was like, I will get the guns. I At first, I was like, if she, if she pulls out a lightsaber, I will hate this. That's what I was afraid of. I thought she was about to pull out yeah, a lightsaber, really and I was, was like, like, no, they can't be Jedi because that doesn't make sense. And then she pulls out, like, a, a big-ass rifle. rifle. Pulls out the rifle, which if you play the Battlefront games, it's a very effective weapon. <laughs> if you can aim, for the love of God. But yeah, even Owen, I love Joel Edgerton. He's, I've talked about, he's one of the most underrated actors in yes. Hollywood right now. He has great moments. Even Amperu has even more badass moments. There was a criticism where, well, if Luke sees Reva, doesn't that ruin... Well, why, wouldn't he, why wouldn't he mention that in A New Hope? But if you What's go back force? and watch... What's a lightsaber? I've heard that was, yeah. If you go back and watch, he actually never really makes eye contact with her. Yeah, I didn't Which is think kind so. of... Which is okay. That's fine. He also gets hit in the head. He's also 10 years old, so maybe it just goes, like, right over his head. But I, I don't want to get into criticisms yet, but... Okay, I was going to say I have a lot for this bit. Owen and Maru are amazing. That's all. Uh, that's the that's the part I liked about. You know what? Should we go into bits? criticisms and then talk about the lightsaber fight? At There's the so end? much more we like about Episode Six than what we don't like. So maybe yeah. let's just get our criticisms out of the way. Okay. Let's start with the Reva bits, because okay, this her is the story. performance, her performance in this is the best out of the entire show because it's subtle. She actually yeah. cries, so she's human. Everyone, calm down. She. Again, the problem is, it's just the execution. Why is she doing this? Why, Why? was she even there? Her boss fired her. It's not like she's still here to win brownie points for Vader. She was clearly there to kill Luke, but I don't think she even knew he was Vader's son. The message yeah. wasn't that specific. Wasn't too specific. She didn't even know that Leia was her son. Yeah. I mean, Leia was her daughter. daughter yeah. His daughter. Oh my god. Think, Ryan. So I really, I really just don't know. Maybe it's because this is a stretch. Maybe because the kid meant something to Kenobi and Kenobi has kind of ruined her life a little bit, but it's also, it's just yeah. so much stretches and maybe it's just a, a reason for them to go back to Tatooine. They need another reason, but her whole scene where she's about to kill Luke and we're all just like, well, you know, we know you're not going to do it, but like it's shot it, it's shot in a way where there is a bit of tension and you see her like having moments of struggle with doing it and the way, way she carries him back, it looks like he's dead. It, it oh, really it does. does. It does. And then he does like, he does like a grunt, like he's sleeping. He's like, Ugh. and they're like, oh, thank God. But they just let her live. Yes, that's weird. I don't, see, I don't okay, understand this, what the point of Riva is. This whole scene this is what I was telling you before. I saw it with my friend Justin, and we were, we were watching the scene the entire first half of this episode. Justin and I were just making fun of, and his fiance was watching it with us, and she hated watching this with us because we were just making fun of everything for the first half because we saw Reva. It all started when Reva was coming up to Tatooine, and we're like, okay, why is she here? And then... When she goes to see Owen Baru, Justin said something along the lines of, oh, wow, I mean, how, how are Owen and Baru supposed to take on an Inquisitor? That's crazy. And I'm like, easy. She sucks. <laughs> I bet I am 100% confident Owen and Baru can take on Reva. Yeah. 
a 10-year-old could take Reva on in an interrogation and beat her. I think Owen and Baru have a shot. So then we're just watching for it. And then they pull out those blasters and Owen nearly headshots her on the first shot. I'm like, there we go. See? She had her back turned and she nearly died. It's like, great. And then she's walking through and then Baru just takes her down. And Justin and I are just laughing our asses off at this point. <laughs> it's really funny. And then when she finally corner Luke, I'm like, okay, here's another 10-year-old kid who's probably going to kick her ass and I'm ready for it. Yeah. He didn't. But it was just, she's so, they built her up as so unintimidating to me throughout the series that even though they're playing it, like you said, they're trying to play up the tension of this scene, but I was, she was so unintimidating to me that I was pretty confident two farmers and a 10-year-old kid could kick a, an Inquisitor's ass. Yeah. That's how bad she is. There's great little moments, like a one-on-one with her and... Obi-Wan. Great. And Joel. That was a good moment. Well, oh, that, that moment too, but with Joel Edgerton, where like, you can see in his face that like he's just exhausted. Like he's not like he's not built for fighting. He's a it's farmer. Very, it, it's very Moisture subtle. Farmer. I think he says a line where he's like, I can't remember the line, but it's it's really good. Like he says something like he's, he's my son. All, yeah, he's he's like yeah. my own. And like it's a little reference to New Hope because the thing he's holding is the thing that stopped that Han put up to stop the trash compactor. Oh yeah, it's like the same item it's not the exact same item okay but it's like it's the same rod whatever you I call didn't catch it that yeah it looks the same but just throughout the whole thing like when she's carrying him back i'm like i know he's alive like, i just don't understand like and i honestly thought she was about to kill herself because she had her lightsaber out which should mm-hmm. be broken technically because didn't she like didn't vader pull it apart or something who cares i don't know i think a lot of double-bladed lightsabers break in half yeah like that who cares because like darth maul when and then phantom menace when he got his slaver slashed mm-hmm. in half darth maul still managed to fight with one but she's just like allowed to live which is which is crazy so i don't understand that you know part what? i said before i said this in our episodes one to three but she didn't actually do that much irredeemable things in this show yeah she tried to do some bad stuff but she never actually succeeded enough to be irredeemable Mm-hmm. So I don't really care that they let her live because, I mean, Who what cares? did she really yeah. do that was that irreparable? I think she killed one guy, one rebel guy that we saw to capture Leia again at the end of episode three. You see his body in the background, but that was it. I'm just, I'm kind of interested to see where they take her from here because I really just don't know. Or if they, like, they have to bring her back and kill her off in some way. Like, I just don't really understand. Because I honestly thought she should have died at the end of this. Not because of, like, I didn't like her character, but just mostly just because, like, what's the point now? What's the point of her living? So that's the only part I like. Uh, didn't like was just the whole Reva arc. I think it could have been executed better. Yeah. That's just my opinion. You know, the thing, you know, I'll get into this now. The thing about Reva, which bothers me more than anything else, is that she had potential as a character, for sure which I don't think they lived up to. But the fact that this story, her supposed revenge quest against Vader, which, to be clear, I didn't understand what her point was in the beginning. Was she trying to kill Vader, or was she trying to endear herself to him by getting Obi-Wan Kenobi killed, or yeah. up to the point? I don't know whether she was trying to, in- to make Vader like her, or she was hunting him. I don't understand what her goal was first of all 
Although the idea of a youngling turned inquisitor is really interesting. Yeah. But what pisses me off, not just that they, maybe it's because they didn't do the arc very well, is that it butt into Obi-Wan and Vader's screen time. To me, this show, Obi-Wan Kenobi, should have been about Vader and Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan's guilt over what he did to Anakin, and Anakin's slash Vader's revenge quest against him. And to me, Reva was pretty much a third wheel in that situation. It's like, yeah, the main event here is Anakin and Obi-Wan, and she's third wheeling through the entire show, trying to make herself seem important, but we're not here for her. We're here for the other two guys. That's, that's the emotional heart of it. And the fact that she got so much screen time in this show for, you know, I guess they... Evader was the main villain of this show, and it was more focused on their relationship. The show would have been so much better. As much as I loved that lightsaber fight at the end of episode 6, it would have had so much more weight to it if we'd focused more on Vader and his thoughts and feelings throughout this show. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little less on Obi-Wan doing a rescue mission and more about his guilt. The rescue mission could have been a thing too, but it probably shouldn't have been the focus. It just This show had a lot of really interesting story to it. Kind of like, well, kind of like the prequels. It had a lot of interesting story to it, but it put its focus in strange places where it didn't yeah. always need to be. Revo being the prime example. It might have, it could have even been like one of the producers said, you need to add something new, or like, what's the point of this? It could have been like a produce, a studio thing, or it could have been from the creative team. We really don't know. But we should talk about the lightsaber fight and how it's probably one of the best lightsaber fights. And all of Star Wars, one of the best, yeah. because of just yeah. the characters who are doing it, the, the moments that are in it, and there's not even that much dialogue, which is fantastic. There's only little bits of dialogue, and so much happens. You have them going at it, you have Kenobi doing his, doing the pose from the Clone Wars and from um, Revenge, uh, Revenge of the, of the Sith. You have him saying, his line, I will do what I must. Vader saying, you, you will, will die. die. There is a lot of comparison to actually Twilight Princess. I think it's called in Rebels. Twilight Princess. Uh, oh, shoot. Oh, yeah. It's, oh. Something like that. I know that's a story arc, but I'm forgetting which one it is. It's the with Ahsoka and Vader when they fight at oh, the end of season yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. A lot of comparisons to that. That's where the line, you will die, comes from. I kind of like that when sure. he, in this context, though, because now, now that I'm thinking about it, is Obi-Wan says, I will do what I must, and then Anakin says, you will try, and then in this one he says, mm-hmm. you will die. It's just way more confident. Yeah, way more confident. Response. I also love that he got the high ground. Holy crap, that was yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's hilarious. Caves when he ground, does, literally caves the brilliant. ground out from under him. The CG looks great. The lightsabers look great. It is a random rock planet. Don't really care. Yeah. Which is fine, but I think it looks great. I think that it's at night and you see the lightsabers glow is amazing. You see subtlety, like subtle references to Kenobi's fight style, where he does a spin behind the back, or he does yeah. the slash, or a certain like attack. But one of the best, two of the best moments, the second the best one is when he picks up the rocks like a Super Saiyan which is probably mm-hmm. his most powerful that he's ever been, and throws it at Vader. But one of the best is when he cuts Vader's helmet 
where it looks like real sparks. I don't know how they did that. Because I don't know how they could have done that when cutting his helmet. And then you have the mix of audio between Hayden and James, James Earl Jones. Jones. Brilliant. As much as I love the similar scene in Rebels, it's it was meaningful in Rebels to hear Matt Lanter's voice with James mm-hmm. Earl Jones talking to Ashley Eckstein's Ahsoka. But it just makes it more meaningful to hear Hayden Christensen talking to Ewan. James Earl Jones saying Ahsoka breaks my heart, though. I don't know why. Mm. It really does. But in this... It's weird. I can't compare the two because they're two very different characters. They're two... They different both have relationships. Relationship, different relationships. And I think they're both kind of on par because they're both excellent. And when Anakin said... Ewan's like, point is out and he's like, I'm sorry for all of it. He doesn't go on this... That's the scene I didn't... I didn't know I needed that scene until we He doesn't go on this long-ass monologue. He just says, for all of it, I'm sorry. And then Vader says, you didn't kill Anakin Anakin Skywalker. I did. And the light changes from... It goes from blue to red. And at first I was like, does he not have Sith eyes? But he does. And it's just... Mm. It's a brilliant scene all around. The blue going to red. Blue going to red. It's a brilliant moment. Hayden Christian knocks out the part. The park, excuse me. It's just Lots great. out of this galaxy. I think it's one of the best lightsaber fights that they've done just because of the character characters in it. Yeah. It's the characters. Cause I had a problem a little bit with the choreography and the film work. It just looked a little weird to me, the way the, the choreography and the film work just... I couldn't quite tell the geography, and it didn't quite flow too well to me it wasn't the sabers clashing that i found impressive it was the incorporation of the hand-to-hand combat and the yeah. force powers in between the clashing that's the part i found most impressive obi-wan's the only one that does the smart thing and goes after the buttons which everyone else should have been doing from the start it's like yeah. his weak point is right there <laughs> yeah that's what he should have been doing from the start and i was like oh yeah that's smart why don't you just it's do that because on a and then you hear level, how many people would know that's life support though? That's true. And you do hear his classic breathing when he gets the hurt. Wheezing, yeah. Oh, I love <laughs> it. This show, when it does Vader, it's brilliant. And just their relationship is it's just so tragic. It's like mm-hmm. it's my favorite story in all of Star Wars. Obi-Wan then, and Vader's relationship. Leaves him again. Because <laughs> why not? He has to live. That's simultaneously, I have here, that is a criticism, but I also have a but on that. So it's simultaneously a criticism, but not for me. Because I've heard a lot of people say, well, you heard him flat out say Anakin is dead. He admitted that he can't be redeemed, so why did you leave him there? You should have just executed Vader there while you had the chance. Yeah. My but to that is that, now this is maybe just based on this show. But it seems to me like, on a certain level, Vader and Obi-Wan care about each other enough to not actually want to kill each other. Because if, mm. if you're looking all the way back to even Mustafar, they were pretty evenly matched. They had a lot of opportunities, probably, to kill each other. But Mustafar nearly seems more like a sparring match than a fight to the death. And even at the end, he just leaves him disabled instead of executing him. And throughout this series, Vader had multiple opportunities to kill Obi-Wan. If he really wanted to kill him, he could have just blown that ship out of the sky at the beginning of Episode 6. Or he could have killed him when he had him up in the air and dragging him through the fire. He could have killed him there too, but he let him go. And he could have killed him 
even in episode six again during their fight, but he left him buried under the rocks instead. He didn't throw mm-hmm. the rocks on him. He threw the rocks on top of him. Vader cut the life support, but he didn't execute him. It just seems to me that as much as Vader, and even at the end, Palpatine says, you know, you're you're kind of obsessed about your old master still. Is that going to be a problem? Oh, yeah. So the kind of thing is they, on a certain level, as much as Vader claims to hate Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan can see that Vader's kind of irredeemable, there's a certain level on both of them that just can't bring themselves to kill each other. And even yeah. in a new hope, even in a new hope, that's kind of a, just a sparring match. At that point, too, they're kind of just talking, and Vader's trying to brag more. He's saying, "You know, when I left you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master." He's not trying to kill him. Even that last swing that finally Only does kill Obi Wan. Yeah, even that last swing, which finally does kill Obi Wan, Vader's surprised. He didn't think that would actually kill him. He wasn't he goes, going. Where for the f- <laughs> he was like, "Where yeah. the fuck did you go?" <laughs> Vader wasn't going for a killing blow in that scene. He just swung and was surprised when Obi-Wan chose not to counter it. Mm-hmm. So this whole time, I think that's, this show is trying to argue that on a subconscious level, these two love each other enough that they just can't bring themselves to kill the other. Yeah. It is kind of sad, though, that the next time Leia sees Obi-Wan is like, he dies yeah. passing through. Unless season two. But yeah, a surprising cameo from uh, Ian McDermott is Palpatine. I thought about so many cameos that could be in the show. Liam Neeson was obvious. I thought, oh, Cal Kestis, that's another yeah. one. Why did I never think of Ian McDermott? Not mm. once did that cross my mind. He sounds like that girlfriend that's like kind of jealous that he's talking to like his ex too much. He's like, you seem agitated. <laughs> Is this about Obi-Wan? And then Vader's like, no, I'm over him. Don't worry about it. I don't, I don't care about him anymore. And Palpatine's like, yeah, just let him go, whatever. He's like, just let him go. Who cares? Next time you will probably die. But who knows? Who, uh, Obi-Wan, Ewan McGregor's on board to do season two. Hayden Christensen's on board to do even a Darth Vader spinoff, which that would be brilliant. I don't know what it would be about. I would love to see it. I'm down for that. I just worry about, Deborah I just Chow worry about is... James Earl Jones, you know? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's in his 90s. I just, I don't know how much they can keep pushing this guy. They could get the guy who does the video games. Who isn't as perfect as James Earl Jones, but he's he's the closest thing to it. And he, okay. he sounds well enough, but yeah, I worry about James. Uh, they have Still to do a whole I'm, show. They have to do fucking just generic lines that he would say in like the future for like the next 10 years and just have him go through it in like one session, just in case. That's not Which a bad sounds. Idea. Sounds barbaric, but let's be fair. No one can no one can do live action Vader besides James Earl Jones. No. You can do impressions, but it won't be the same. Yeah. I I thought James Earl Jones would have like an uh, iconic line in episode six, but there's no line that's more iconic than what was in episode three. It was like, I am what you made me. And just like you feel the pain that he went through. Even though James Earl Jones never knew Ewan McGregor like on set or experience the prequels at all but he just performs it so well that you just feel the history of him saying that line but yeah i loved episode six i cried i don't usually cry watching stuff but i just love star wars so much and just the character moments go ahead 
This could be a criticism, which I saw somebody say it in a random internet comment, and it kind of stuck with me in, in my mm -hmm. brain, and I haven't really wrapped my head around it, but maybe you could help me make sense of it. Somebody pointed out that in the one scene, he says, I am what you made me. But then at the end, he says, you didn't kill Anakin, I did. Oh, fuck off. So it's fuck like, off. Well, which, it's like, well, like which, which is it? Is he, is he absolving him a bit, or is he... Shut up. I, that's <laughs> not away. mine. That's not mine. I just saw it, and it's been sticking in my brain ever wherever since that I guy, saw it. Wherever that guy is, fuck off. Go away. Stop it. Both are great <laughs> moments, but I'm like, oh. There's a little bit of <sighs> Because he made him the way he is, but he didn't kill Anakin spiritually. Which kind of makes yeah. sense why Obi-Wan yeah. says Anakin's dead. So technically speaking, it's not his yeah. idea to lie to Luke, it was Anakin's. Oh no, I got that as soon as I watched episode 6. I'm like, yeah. So when he says, okay, then my friend is truly gone. Goodbye, yeah. Darth. Which is why he calls him Darth in A New Hope, which I never... And when Leia calls uh, him Obi-Wan for the first time, all the fucking nitpickers could finally be like, oh, now he knows his real name. But it's just like, calm down. Like, you knew it was going to happen. Just calls him Ben because that's where it comes from. That's who he introduced himself as. But yeah, mm -hmm. I, love, I love this show. Personally, I give it an 8 out of 10. Only because it loses points for just Reva stuff. That's honestly it for me. I was talking to you the other day. I said about 6 out of 10 and I'm still there. It stuck the landing... It had a lot of great moments in it, but I just think there's enough that drags it down that I just, mm -hmm. I never got to love it the way I wanted. Like, I loved moments in it. I yeah. even loved, I loved episode six, but even episode six, half that episode is Reva, and I did not care for that part at all, so it's just... Mm -hmm. Realistically, to me, it's a seven, but I just loved it so much that it's an eight, just because of oh, the yeah, performances and little moments. Yeah, the actors were all really good in it. I just... Mm -hmm. If you cut out Reva out of this show and focused it up a little more, it just it never lived up to its potential, and it bothers me because I could see that potential shine through in many yeah. moments. Season two, they become best friends. Imagine that. Ewan McGregor and... Or Obi-Wan and Reva. Imagine that. I could easily see season two being a better season if they brought Liam Neeson back full-time. Mm. As and put Obi Wan on this spiritual journey, which doesn't have to be all on Tatooine, because I wanted, I also wanted to see that story of how he learned to be a Force. Maybe ghost, it's, just... yeah, maybe it's even Obi Wan and Luke bonding a, a little bit, like just a tiny maybe. bit, just a little bit more. Hello Some there. People also, I honestly didn't think he was going to say it because I was just so. Oh, me neither. It was a great surprise. It was the music, and I think just the moment of him just being like, "Do you want to meet him?" I was like, I started to tear up again because like, oh my God, it's just beautiful. And he actually says it. And I was like, <gasps> and it didn't feel forced either. No, it doesn't feel forced. It's just him. That's what he yeah. is. I thing. also kind of like it because that's the first thing he says to Luke here. And that's the first mm -hmm. thing he says to Luke in A New Hope too. It's funny in Clone Wars, there's an episode, I think very early on where Grievous says hello to him first in the same way. So canonically... The reason why uh, Obi-Wan says it to him in Revenge of the Sith is kind of like a diss back to him or whatever, but I also hate that. So <laughs> I just think it should be an Obi-Wan thing. It kind of is. Yeah. I saw Ewan McGregor talking about that. I think it was at Star Wars Celebration. He was saying mm -hmm. how it's weird that this is just an Alec Guinness line that somehow became a catchphrase. He's like, that's not yeah. my line. It's technically Alec Guinness's. 
which I didn't realize until like I knew before watching this, but I didn't realize till like years later. I think when I rewatched the originals, I was like, "Oh, Alec Guinness says that first. That's interesting." Mm-hmm. Well, I always think of it as Ewan, too. Yeah, because just a meme at this point. Yeah. All right. I don't know what our timing's like, but we should probably wrap up now. Yeah. I think we covered all our thoughts on the Obi Wan Kenobi show. Joe loves it. Loves it. Like it is better. It. You got it's better than Boba Fett. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. It's much better than Boba Fett. And what I like about this is that there's one director throughout this whole show. Whereas in Boba Fett... It's seamless, yeah. Whereas Boba Fett, it was like, Robert Rodriguez, Robert Rodriguez, Bryce Dallas Howard. Wait. Bryce as much Dallas as I have Howard. problems with the middle of the Obi-Wan show, there weren't any episodes that felt like a giant side quest or became a completely different show. Mm-hmm. You know, Book of Boba Fett feels like Mandalorian season 2. Point... Boba Fett is... 2.5. Yeah, Boba Fett isn't even in two episodes of his own show. If they did that on Obi-Wan, holy crap, there's hell to pay. Oh my god. Imagine if, because they dedicate two episodes of Book of Boba Fett to Mandalorian, that in season three of Mandalorian, they dedicate two episodes to Boba Fett. It's only fair, and I would not mind that. Just a fair trade. Uh, I just don't care about Boba Fett, but that's just a personal thing. Anyway. I think they could do it better. I do think if they got Boba Fett a season two, I want to see Tamara Morrison come back because I don't want him to leave it there. I want to see him. Yes. I oh, he's great. Better, he was great yeah. in it. Yeah. I even liked him in Nobody One. That he had his cameo. Oh, yes. His cameo. We never talked about that. That was yeah. surprising. My first thought, it was very critical, was they just left the clone alive. But then I guess like they don't care about him. No. He's like a Vietnam War vet. He was wearing, like, a 501st colors, and some people were like, was this Rex? I was like, no. Everyone relax. Not every clone is Rex, you racists. You bastards. But I, I guess like it goes from our rankings. Rex, I do think Mandalorian is better. So it's Mandalorian, all, Kenob- yeah. Kenobi, and then Boba Fett, sadly. Is that... Even though I love Kenobi... Oh, I just meant, like, Disney Plus shows right now. What they're releasing. I mean, uh, if we're being technical, Rebels and... Bad Batch are both also yeah, but Disney. They weren't, they weren't Disney Plus, is what I'm saying. I'm Bad saying like was, the new, the new live. I'm talking was, about the like the live new action live action stuff. Live action yeah. specific, yeah. Live action specific. Mandalorian is still the best by quite mm-hmm. a big margin. I didn't, you know, I had some problems with the Mandalorian, but it was a lot more tight on the whole. Mm-hmm. Kenobi had a lot of potential, some of which shone through. Boba Fett was just. And the reason you're so critical of Kenobi is because he's your favorite character, and you just want to see like. That's part of it. It's also because yeah. I'm just I'm very invested in Obi Wan Kenobi's story, mm-hmm. and I know to me, it's partially me bringing my own baggage to it. What did I always want to see Kenobi do in this era? Part of it was the learning to be a Force ghost thing, communing with Qui Gon, protecting young Luke, and you know this is a story I didn't expect to see. I liked seeing him with Leia, for example, but I also thought. If they're going to bring Vader back, if they're going to do this rematch thing, I wanted mm-hmm. to see more of the focus on their relationship. So just being a Star Wars fan and watching this story, like I said, Reba's the third wheel who's taking the focus away from what I'd rather have been watching this whole time. Mm-hmm. Which is fair. And I think even just as a critic of entertainment, I just, just for example, I feel like things ought, works ought to stand alone to an extent. If mm-hmm. you've never seen Star Wars before, is Obi-Wan Kenobi a show you would recommend to somebody? Just to say, 
This is just oh, a... Oh, God. Right off the bat? Hell no. This is a miniseries about a guy who lost everything, and he's going well, on one last ride. He's going against an old rival who he's guilty, he thought died. Does it stand alone at all as an artistic work in its own right? I think that's that's partially why I'm critical of it. Not just... Mm, that's fair. I will only say yes because it gives like a four-minute recap right at the beginning of the yeah. show. Yeah. That's the only reason why. I was like, man, should I rewatch Revenge of the Sith beforehand? And then I just jumped right into episode one. I was like, oh, I'm glad I didn't because they literally give a four-minute recap, which is probably the longest yeah. recap I've ever seen any show do, which is I mean, very... to recap six hours worth of... Which is very nice of them. That was a fantastic recap, though. Yeah. I will say the show is brilliant when it's just Kenobi and Vader. Yep. The show is fun and interesting when it's Kenobi and Leia. Reba. You know, yep. And it's just just weak when it's and just poorly executed when Reva's there. That's a great summation. I and I will with, say and I will say some of the Inquisitors too. Like they were kinda like shipped to the side as well. But yeah, what even happened to them after episode four? They weren't even in it at all after They took a nap. Vader yeah. was probably like, You guys fix up this base, because this is the second time a Jedi is broken here. And I have about had it. I saw a criticism of the show, which I also agree with, is there were about three or four Inquisitors in this show, and Obi-Wan didn't have a lightsaber battle with one of them. Yeah. Why not even, even have the Inquis- No, not even. Why even have the Inquisitors if they're not going to be kind of a stepping stone threat up to Vader? Who Nothing. Because he can only fight Vader. Oh, who cares? Besides Maybe in season two. In this era. Maybe. Knows? I feel like season two has potential to be better now that they're past a lot of the baggage and they can just do whatever. Mm-hmm. Maybe they do bring, well, they can't bring Vader back because Palpatine will be jealous. It's tough. Who yeah. knows? I loved, I loved the show. I would definitely rewatch it. I think I'd like it better on rewatch now that the whole story is complete and I'm not. It's all there. And, and your I'm expectations aren't bothered. there, yeah. My expectations have been lowered i know what i'm getting into and i can just enjoy the parts i like now and the big moments are actually really good mm-hmm. they're not just like shoehorn not shoehorned in but just kind of like they're respected in a way i feel like i need to see a fan edit of this show where they just chop out all the stupid parts and just get to the good stuff the mm-hmm. just kind of re-edit it to make it more focused one out of ten kenobi didn't buy a death stick I was joking in the in our last episode that people yeah. said one out of ten. He didn't say hello there. Well, why don't you wait till episode six? Yeah, really. Change your rating to ten stars. He said hello there and did the pose. Ugh. There's, there's the show had a lot of up and downs, but I think at, it stuck the landing at the end. Yes, I agree. Okay, that's our thoughts on Kenobi, the entire series. All right, looking forward to the next Star Wars show, whatever it may be. And let's plug our socials. Well, you can find me, Ryan Walker Official, on TikTok and on Instagram. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at ThoughtPlane Media and our Facebook page with the same name. Find further film discussion and entertainment reviews on ThoughtPlane.ca forward slash articles. And if you'd be so kind, you can support ThoughtPlane Media on Patreon, link below. Also, be sure to leave us comments and reviews as that's a big help. And how about clicking that like button if you enjoyed this? We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time. McClunky.